The winemakers are up next, but first, check out this other great show on the Radio Misfits Podcast Network. Destination Eat Drink. I'm Brent Peterson of Destination Eat Drink, the travel podcast for foodies. This week, the wheat harvest of Minturno, making oraquete with Nunzia, and winemaking in the Republic of Georgia as we talk to TV show host and creator Michaela Malazzi of Bare Feet. Download Destination Eat Drink today on the Radio Misfits Podcast Network. From the birthplace of modern winemaking, Sonoma, California, welcome to the winemakers. Local experts Sam Katuri, Bart Hansen, and Brian Casey, along with host John Myers, invite you to listen in as they discuss all facets of winemaking. So sit back, pour yourself a glass, and let's hear what the guys have to say this week. Hey, welcome to the winemakers. This is Brian Casey with uh, Sam Katuri and Bart Hansen. We're... We took a, took a week off last week with everything that's been going on in the world. And, um, you know, my daughter kind of said to me the other day when we were on the way to the, to the dentist, which she hadn't been to in a while. And, um, we, it's out on Lakeville and Petaluma. So there was a wildfire that was going on that closed the Lakeville for a while. And she just was like, dad, this year it's been covid and then the protests and and wildfires and you know doing it's only june school from home and she has she didn't get to go on she didn't get to go to the grand canyon or maryland um i mean all this stuff these you know it's it one thing for us but can't imagine there there hasn't been a time in my life i mean where it's been like just so much shit going on it's just so weird it's hard to keep up with everything. Um, yeah. And, you know, some people stay busy, like my wife, you know, she's been working from home, so she's still doing her thing. She's in the office and basically still working a nine to five job. And then there's people like myself that, you know, I haven't been to work and it's been uh, three months and it's going to be four before um, I get back to work. And even though, you know, I'm making money, but I'm basically turned into the, to the house dad, you know, cooking and doing dishes and, um, have not been around any other people really where normally you go to work and at least you have conversations with other adults and, um, and being a song, you know, you kind of have conversations where, you know, the customers come in and they're like, Oh, it's the, it's the wine guy, you know, stuff. And you get a little bit of like, you know, some sort of validation of something other than that's dad who does the dishes. This is a great peanut butter and jelly sandwich you made today, dad. I love it. Right. Would you recommend the apricot or the blackberry? (laughs) <laughs> yeah, so it's it's been one of those weird things. It's been it's been a very humbling um, experience for me. So um, you know, it, and it looks like though, and you know, basically what we're going to talk about on the show is that it looks like things are starting to open back up. Um, we actually went to the beach yesterday, headed out a little bit north of Salmon Creek, and I took the four kids out, and it it was. It was so nice to be sitting on a beach, you know, no one within a hundred yards of us, even though it was packed by the time we left, but um, just to be doing something normal and being outside. And, and that's the other thing with the kids too. Normally there's summer rolls around and it's like, Hey, let's go to great America or go to Scandia or let's, you know, whatever it is, they, you know, there's stuff for them to do. And they're just all at home sitting on their iPads and, you know, you can only come up with so many, you know, dice games or, 
um, play dominoes and we set up a volleyball court in the in the backyard but um, everyone's just kind of been in in the freeze so so it's it's been nice to see the restaurants kind of start coming around as far as um, you know opening for in in-house whatever you call it in dining in dine in right. dine in service and and i don't know napa i guess is a little bit ahead of us they've been doing their tasting rooms are open and a lot of the restaurants are you're um, able to go in there and and have lunch or dinner and and whatnot but sonoma is kind of just starting to to get out of bed and um so we just kind of want to talk about you know what that means for all of us um, Sam, you're, you probably got more to speak to as far as what it takes for tasting rooms. I know Sandra and the girl in the fig have been doing a lot of food for wineries because that was one of the uh, stipulations right, right. to open up a tasting room is you had to be serving food. And I don't even know if that meant box lunches or if you put out cheese like we normally do at the tasting house. Is that considered food service? or? Um, it was it was kind of unclear, um, but, you know, it – most of the things that I read, it was this sort of quote full meal service and that at least originally the wine and the food had to be like on the same ticket. So it wasn't even in my mind, like a normal tasting room tasting at all. It was, you went to some place, you, even if it was a food truck, you bought food and got a glass or a bottle of wine. I mean, I think that's how it was working, but you know, as of today, now that, you know, the, the day this show drops um sonoma county has lifted those restrictions so tasting rooms can open you know given the you know whatever that means social distancing and and um i think that most people i think there's still rules on on like appointment only or something i'm, I'm not sure um but you know for us obviously that's how we were basically anyway so um it is you know i, I kind of feel like you go out, it's like the, the, the great thaw is happening. Everything was just kind of frozen in place and things are started, you know, slowly here and there kind of see, see some melting and a, you know, a, a iceberg fall into the sea of something floating away. Um, so it's, it's starting to happen. Um, you know, I think a lot of people are grand opening it this weekend and, and that doesn't quite, doesn't quite feel, um, feel right either. Um, well, that's the thing. If we, you know, if we wouldn't have had the the protests going on over the last couple of weeks, it might have been like a like a more comfortable situation with everyone reopening because our cases were dropping. And um, but now it seems like since Memorial Day um, and all the protests, we've had spikes going up. You know, almost in every state. I mean, in a lot of the major states, yeah, and, including California. Yeah, and you're starting to see, you know, Central and South America, and now uh, Africa is. Uh, I mean, I think right. it took them three months to get to 100,000, and then it took them 18 days to get to 200,000. Right. So, um, I think a lot of people are, you know, still uncomfortable with the situation. What What are you planning to do at the tasting room if people want to come in and taste? Like, what does that look like? I can tell you, the other day at the at the dentist, it was walk in, don't come in before your scheduled time. You hit the door, they hit you with the hand sanitizer, they gave you a sanitized pen to fill out the forms, and then they took your temperature with the digital readout thing to your forehead, and then I couldn't, wasn't allowed to go in with my daughter for her to go into the dentist. So I don't know if it's one of those type situations, or is it just right. keep people separated? You know, I mean, I think that 
it's obviously a different situation at a tasting room than a doctor's or dentist's appointment. And, and for me, you know, I feel like if, if we are in a position where we feel like we have to take people's temperatures and sanitize them the moment they step on board, then it's not worth opening it. So, um, you know, we still want to be, you know, we're in the hospitality business. We still want to make people have good feels when they show up. Um, you know, the thing that we're doing right now, and I think that just about everybody that I've talked to is figuring out um, expanded outdoor space. Um, you know, we're working on, you know, we've always had our little bit on the porch and, you know, occasionally hanging out kind of in the parking lot in the back back parking lot there. But we're kind of built a little stage out there and got some more tables in the process of, you know, beautifying, decorating that so that there's more outdoor space and, you know, people, you know, we can go indoors now. Um, but I think, you know, you're still kind of feeling that one out. Um, and, you know, there's some things about it where we've always been doing this, but you know, it's, it, you know, moving from appointments, highly recommended to appointments required. Um, and, and probably, changing the way that we pour wine um a little bit you know we've always a been pretty liberal with it and and you know we make so many wines that we've always tried to pour uh, a big range of things but maybe kind of focusing a little bit more and and maybe offering uh, more like specified flights you know a flight of of if it's a hot day you know flight of rosé and chilled white wine you know, if somebody wants to go big and do only like Moon Mountain District or Cabernet or, you know, kind of having the option sort of more out front on it. Um, but again, it's, you know, the, and this was the conversation I was having with, with Paul and Jasmine today is like, how do we still make it hospitable, but also make it safe both for, for our customers, but also for us, um, you know, and, and kind of how that looks like and, and, you know, frankly, we're also, you know, going to wait a minute and look and see how everybody else is doing it and, and what's working and, and um, you know, what's not working before we're ready to dive in. And it seems like everybody I've talked to, at least everybody of the places that I would want to visit on a regular basis or, you know, wines that I would want to drink, everybody's dipping toes right now and not diving in. Um, and that seems kind of like the the consensus. Yeah, because what does that mean that that Jasmine or Paul would be wearing a mask and gloves, <clears throat> and when they go to pour the wine, they would maybe pour it like inside and then bring it out in the glass with the mask and the gloves on and drop it in front of the people? Or yeah, you know, I even saw I even saw it, it showed up about a week ago on my Instagram feed. Um, the wine server, and it's basically like a, uh, a fraternity paddle, but it's got cuts for the glasses. And so you come out with the pre-poured glasses, and you're not touching the glasses, you're holding the paddle. You set down the four glasses in front of the people and walk away. And, uh, you know, completely, someone's already marketed a way to do touchless serving, right. you know, quote unquote, touchless serving to customers. Yeah. Um, so I, I'm sure we're going to see a lot of innovation. I'm sure we're going to see a lot of ideas here. Yeah. Um, but I, I would say the same thing that I've heard is that everybody's moving to out, outside. I talked to Kenneth Uhas of, 
a tour and they never had a backyard uh, presence. And now they're developing the whole backyard for tasting at their tasting uh, um, You know, Gunlock Bunchu, they took a bunch of open space areas and put picnic tables and like, you know, uh, uh, chairs with a small table in between them, um, just getting people. And they're only open to wine club at this point, which I also thought was an interesting thing. Like, we want people to come back, but we're going to keep it to a wine club at this point. And, That's and, and they were doing the food thing also. And, and then just one last thing is I think it'll be interesting to see all these people that were doing food. Will they keep up the food? Or now that you don't have to do it anymore, will they revert back to the well, that probably depends if they were making money or not. I mean, that's bottom line. You can't be paying the girl in the fig dollars and then not getting it returned for meals getting delivered. So, I mean, if it's something that people were into. Right. Sure. You're making money, then I think that's good. You know, one of the things we're not sure of is whether we can or should, you know, put out the bread and cheese and olive oil in the way that we always have. Um or like if it if we do is it still sort of like a communal cheese plate or do you have to do little individualized you know drops of three cheese you know three slices on each on each well, person how that how that looks you know these are i mean you know we're quote unquote are reopening in sonoma county but i think there's a lot of people who are in this is you know we're kind of figuring out as we go um and there's a lot of, there's a lot of questions still and what what it all looks like I know. Remember when they used to put out bar snacks at the bar? It was just like a salad bowl with uh, with mixed nuts and pretzels. And we haven't done that for like five years. And I mean, now it's like individual. But yeah, yeah. I wonder if that's even a thing. Yeah. So I know Saunders talked about salt and pepper shakers and all that kind of crap. Right. Um, right. Yeah, you'd have to you'd have to sanitize the salt and pepper shaker after every turn, right? Yeah, for sure. And and I think that there's no doubt that. There are people, I mean, the, the plaza has been significantly busier. And you're there on a Friday or Saturday or Sunday, and it's nice weather. There's people all over the place. Yeah. Um, and so I don't think it's a matter of people not wanting to come, because I think people are dying to come up here. The interesting thing is I've had five different listeners um, slash customers that have all contacted me and said that they're planning on coming in August. They're planning on coming in July. They're planning on coming for harvest. And they're all wondering, you know, what it's starting to look like. So they're all planning on coming. And I think the problem is none of them can book a place to stay. Right. Um, and, yeah. and, and, that's, and that's it. So I know, you know, ourselves, we were supposed to be heading to Colorado in about two weeks for our vacation. And we canceled that, and but we were able to make a reservation up at uh, Donner Lake if they opened it up, you know. Um, and and so it's the same thing. I mean, we don't even know about that. So right. I guess it's just going to be time, time, time. Well, let me get a little plug in for the Fairmont. I mean, as far as I'm being told right now, we are quote unquote hoping to open July one. I think they've started to take reservations. And what I think what they're thinking is that it's going to be um, a lot of Bay Area people that just want to get away for the weekend. So I, I would imagine mm -hmm. that the occupancy would be a little bit higher on the weekends and then um, it would drop significantly during the week when people are still, you know, having to work. And um, but, you know, I encourage I would love to get back to work. So if you want to you want to come stay at the Fairmont um, book reservations and if you're a podcast listener. Those of you that have 
that have listened to the show and that have come to Sonoma and have stayed at the Fairmont, there's a fair amount of you out there. You know, I'm, I'm pretty generous with, uh, with my time and my um, Corvin system. If you come in, um, <laughs> we usually... Well, you know, and you have to think that there's screaming deals on lodging. I mean, right. there's got to be, right? Uh, I mean, there has to be. They, they want to get people back in. I haven't, <clears throat> you know, I don't know if you're still seeing those those Vegas emails where it was like, you know, $99 for a week in a penthouse or I don't know if there's any of that stuff still going on. Um, but yeah, I would imagine if you, if you shopped around and it, it probably wouldn't be too hard to find a $200 room at the Fairmont, which I think normally it's four to 500. So yeah, what's the, the hotel they're still not because I have, you know, there's people staying or starting to stay at, like the El Pueblo and and the Best Western downtown, but there's nobody on property at at the Fairmont yet. No, not at all. I think July one was the official um, starting date. Last time I called there, it was there was a uh, Edward Rowe, the general manager, someone from Human Resources. There was like two other people, so there's basically four people um, on property, maybe a security guard and uh, something else, but no guests. Right. Um, and we have uh, an outdoor, we have a pool that has a restaurant. So I would imagine they would probably start uh, food service would be outside at the, in the outside area at, um, and then maybe in the bar. And then Sante, where I work, we do have a patio. So that would probably be the first thing that would open would be um, patio tables where people could sit outside and we could space them out a little bit. So, mm-hmm. uh, but I, I haven't, haven't heard any, you know, concrete plants. I think it was, you know, still kind of a wait and see uh, what was going on. I mean, that's cool. the thing. What do you see, Brian, fine dining looking like? I mean, you know, obviously waiters and masks. How does, how do you, how do you accommodate both the needs of, of social distancing at, with the, I mean, this is, again, this is the thing that we're struggling with, with the tasting room. How do you, you know, balance the needs of, of health and safety with what good hospitality and especially at, you know, a certain caliber looks like. I know, you know, I'm, I'm torn because a part of me thinks it's going to look like me wearing rubber gloves. And, and I think they're, they're coming out with these new masks that are um, see-through, mm-hmm. um, you know, just so you could see a facial expression from someone. Cause I think that's a, I don't think that's something you'd think about too often, but, but it's a big part of, um, it's, it's a big part of service when it comes to a restaurant. It's actually seeing a smile on your server. Right. So, uh, you know, Can't part you of me. Smile with your eyes, smizing. You know, you, I mean, you never really know what the person, you know, if they have a mask on and, and you know, we can get real deep into this, <laughs> into the psyche of people wearing masks. And I think that had a lot to do with what went on with the protests as far as, you know, looting and destruction is, you know, when you, Anytime you get a bunch of people on with masks and that seems um, socially acceptable to be wearing a mask in a large group out in public, then there's all of a sudden this switch that goes off in the brain. Um, but, mm-hmm. when, but when it comes to service, uh, the other half of me thinks that, you know, two months go by and everything will be normal and everyone will sort of forget about all of this. Right. Yeah. And I, and whether that comes with a, with a, you know, with a, some sort of immunization or, you know, some kind of um, shots that you get for 
COVID. I just, I think people have short memories in general and maybe not here as much as other parts of the country, but I, you know, if you can take a cue from what you're seeing in other parts of the country from a month ago, I mean, people just sort of seem to forget. Right. right. Lake, of, Lake of the Ozarks looks like a good place to go party. Right. <laughs> those, all those swim up bars, man. Sounds like and, and maybe there's a, there's a, a fair amount of the population that just doesn't care. And I think that's, right. <clears throat> that's part of it is that people are like, well, if I'm going to, I'm going to take a risk driving my car every day on the freeway, that's part of normal everyday life for me to, to have pleasure in my life is to go somewhere. Then, then I'm willing to risk that. Um, for the point one to point three, whatever the actual numbers are um, of contracting some sort of disease. So again, it's one of those things where we talk about it and we sort of talk, sort of go around in circles because no one, it just seems to play out every day. And then every day you get a sort of a new normal. Right. Well, and then the whole thought of that, you know, asymptomatic people aren't necessarily spreading it like they thought also. Um, I almost expected there to be a lot more discussion in the world about that. And that seems to have just kind of like went by the wayside. And I, I mean, it just goes so back to this whole thing is nobody knows. Right? Yeah. Black I mean, people. you see studies on vitamin D. I mean, it's like 4% of people that end up dying or are, um, have high levels of vitamin D. And it's like 80% of people that have low levels of vitamin D. I mean, there's all kinds of studies. The thing is, the only thing we get from the top is, the most insane fucking shit that, that, that fucking orangutan comes out of his mouth. So it was, <laughs> I can tell you it was so nice last week to have former President Obama actually come out and, have, you know, he did like a 15-minute talk. And it was just nice to see someone that sounded like um, a leader that had empathy um, for people and their situations and to just speak to that. And I, I don't know why there's not more of that going on. Why isn't there certain slots of television set aside every night, an hour where they say, okay, this is free time that we can go in and talk about what you can do as far as health wise. You should be exercising or not eating this, or you should be taking these vitamins or, or Hey, um, any sort of guidance. Hey, look at what great things have gone on for the environment since this happened. Let's not just go back to the, to the old ways. Let's take a look at this and go, wow, this was kind of cool. What can we do to sort of go back to the way we used to live, but still maintain some of those climate um, shifts that we that we saw. There's just there's just no real like positive, um, inspirational messaging coming out of anywhere that I'm seeing. Well, I mean, that's a question for for I guess you guys and and your spouses who both spend a lot of time in a, you know, prior to this would spend a lot of time in a car on the way to an office and, um, you know, the whole commute life. I can't imagine that, you know, give Corona aside that they're necessarily eager to get back to driving to work every day somewhere far away, you know? So, yeah. So Terry, you know, her company, they're talking about, you know, the earliest they'll have people back is the end of summer, but, they also said that like 10% at a time. And if that's the case in her office where they're all on top of each other on a trading desk, there's no way there's there's, she's not going back until, you know, for a long, long time. 
Um, and, you know, not to mention her desk is right next to the door. So everybody that walks in and walks out, they're less than six feet from her. So I then they're going to have to take away, right, then they're going to have to take away seating. So then there's even less space and stuff. So I, I think that, you know, her systems work great working from home. And they, the company has been very, uh, asking a lot of questions, you know, surveys about, you know, are you in a hurry to get back? And uh, I, I don't, she may not go back for a long, long time. And then to go to your other point is, you know, it's over $1,000 a month that she's saving between bridge fares, gasoline. Wow. And when you add up that, and then take away the stress, like, like she has a stress-filled life just because she puts it on herself and because of the job. But there's a and because of her husband of and her son, probably right, right, and 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 that's that's a high part of it. Um, but there's always this stress of the driving and stuff that's gone, and it's been really good. So you know, and it's hard being, on your body, and yeah. And, and Brian Maria used to be in the plane all the time. That's even worse than commuting in a car. She said that that is not happening anytime soon. She said. Um, that especially with things like Microsoft Teams and Zoom, that um, she said there's no reason for them to be traveling anymore if they can do presentations and be, you know, have it be like they're in the same room. That yeah, she used to travel at least once a month and go to New York or you know some of the big cities, but um, that's not going to happen. And my sister works for Autodesk. I, I got to go step away. I'll keep keep going, guys. Okay. My sister works for uh, Autodesk here in the Bay Area, and you know they're a global company. She said that she's not going back to work until January uh, of next year. But I think, uh, and then you know Maria's company, um, if they can keep people at home and still maintain um, business levels where they're making money, but they're not having it, they're they're looking at um, reducing the size of their office space. So if they can move into a smaller space spend less money on rent um, then why would they you know go back to the way that they used to do it but everything everything when we talk about those reductions though that also um, takes away jobs like you're talking about having less people um, even even with fuel whether you're pro um, pro oil or not you're you know the fact that none of us are driving um, you're taking away jobs. If you have people that aren't driving across the bridge, um, it's it's like all these things that we do are, are sort of turned a lot of times more towards uh, automation. I mean, we're getting things delivered more, so people aren't going to go to stores. Here in Runner Park, in our um, in our shopping center over by Rayleigh's, my uh, dry cleaner, the place where I get my hair cut place where uh, she does the eyebrows like the tweezers and all that the place next door was a shoe store uh, the other place I think was some sort of card store those are all not just closed they're gone oh. completely emptied out <clears throat> so those people didn't make it through so then I wonder does that mean that now people that come in and you know it's it's another distribution <laughs> is it you know those people that were just struggling to survive are now out of it. And then people that do have disposable income coming in and buy those businesses for pennies on the dollar and then open up their businesses. So then the great divide happens, you know, even more than it already has. So, you know, another yeah, positive. I mean, I'm, I'm happy I'm not in the commercial real estate business right now. That's for sure. You know? Yeah. I mean, de Blasio was just on this morning, I think talking about, um, 
New York and, you know, how they're trying not to kick people out, but he's, he's saying, you know, he's at this point now starting to feel bad for some of those people that own buildings. He's trying to, trying to tell them, you know, don't kick people out, give them time on their rent because they're not making any money right now. But um, at the same time, he, he understands that that was a major source of their income. So what are they right. supposed to be doing in the meantime? I mean, you know, buildings I, I, cost money to run. Right. Yeah. I, I wonder, I wonder, you know, if our kids and Dane being 13 and I, I, we had this discussion, like, does he even realize how much society is changing right in front of him? Well, and, and, yeah. and I mean, forever changing, you know, I mean, there are things coming out of this that are never going to be the same. So, um, I mean, yeah, economically, socially, I mean, yeah, you're talking about, it's like a, it's like a tsunami out there right now for these kids for taking in information. When I told my daughter about the George Floyd uh, murder, she started crying. She hadn't even seen it on television. She just couldn't believe that that would actually happen. I mean, she's 11 years old and can't imagine that that's something that would happen like in the, in her life and in, in her day-to-day -day life. That just seems like such a, a strange thing. And they just combine it with everything else that's going on in the protest. She sees all these people out and she's just wondering what the fuck is going on <laughs> there right now. Yeah. 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 Crazy. So, so Sam, what are you shooting for as far as opening up the tasting room? You know, I mean, I, there's kind of two pieces of it, right? <laughs> well, my, my, my microphone is on, right? Okay. Yeah. 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 We're good. Hi, Althea. Hi, Althea. 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 Hi. She thinks that every Zoom call is yoga class. So whenever oh, yeah. the, the computer comes out, it's yoga. Um, you know, <laughs> I'll see so, say, check, check, check. Microphone check. Um, <laughs> so, you know, we're, we're at least a week away from being ready. And that's just, I mean, purely on the sort of systems and infrastructure side of it. Um, building out the back porch area, making it pretty, um, and and just kind of getting all of our ducks in a row. Um, I, you know, like I said, we're 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 not jumping in whole hog right away. You know, there, I know that there's some people that are, um, you know, some people that the moment they could opened as much as they could. Um, you know, that's that's not where we're at on it. Um, you know, of course. Brian, when we have appointments on the books, hopefully you'll come back and hang out. Uh, I got a 16600 mask with your name on it. Actually, awesome. It doesn't, it doesn't actually have your name on it, but <laughs> I, I can do that. Um, no, you know, we're, like I said, you know, sometime between the, what is that, like the 19th of June and July 1st is probably the target. I mean, you know, I, I kind of look around and there's some, some bellwethers to that. I mean, I, I feel like, um, you know, if, if the fig isn't open for, you know, whatever normal new service looks like, then it probably doesn't make sense to open yet. Um, same kind of goes with places like the Fairmont and, and the lodge and, you know, places where our customers would be staying anyway. Um, you know, Airbnb hasn't really returned to any sort of semblance of normal, both on the, the, the house booking side and the experience booking side. And that's, you know, another huge part of our business. So, um, you know, the other, the thing about it is opening up costs money. And if we don't know 
who's coming and how many people are coming. And frankly, you know, and it's, you know, if the people that are coming are just coming because they need to get out of the house and, and drink some wine and have a party, um, that's great. And there's a lot of places that you can do that, but that's not necessarily the business that we want to be in right away. So, um, you know, we're, we're, we're being, you know, cautious, but kind of cautiously optimistic that um, it's probably sometime between now and two weeks from now. Um, and, and then again, when that, you know, when we do open, it's going to be, you know, I think um, at least through email and it's going to be sort of the public facing answer is members only. Um, I think that's members only plus, you know, qualified referrals and that, you know, qualified in that, you know, where they're coming from um, makes it seem like, you know, they're coming to us because they've heard about us. They know what we're up to a little bit and, you know, they like wine. Um, so, you know, podcast listeners, if, if you, you know, definitely are, are on that list, referrals from other members are on that list and then referrals from, you know, the places that we sort of ideologically uh, align with, you know, in their winemaking and, and stop, you know, sort of, um, you know, that kind of range. Um, yeah. Those are the people that, that we, are going to prioritize. Um, and the other thing about it is you know, we've always, you know, if we had room, we've always taken walk-ins and, and day of reservations. Um, and I, I don't think for a while that we'll be doing that. Um, yeah. You know, just really, you know, I want to know when we start the day, exactly how many people are going to be there that day. And, and as much as possible, what wines they're, they're interested in drinking and, and right. trying. Um, so that we can operate, you know, it's going to be important to operate um, efficiently as, as we kind of open these things up. Um, you know, I don't want to waste time, wine, you know. Um, so those are, those are all the kind of all the pieces of the, of the calculus that we're trying to figure out right now. And I so never did very good so. at math, so you know, I never made it past algebra. Well, that makes sense though if you could send out a form to people through email that they could fill out they would say you know how did you hear about us are you currently or have you been a wine club member what wines are you most interested in um what yeah what sorts of wines are you looking more for education or you know learning about specifically about tasting wine or about vineyards or you know just getting as much information so that when they come in you're right you could be a little more efficient with the, exactly what it is that they were that they wanted right yeah and you know and, and for sure the way that we interact with customers is going to be different um and and so knowing ahead of time as much as we can about what our customers are looking for um i think is going to be super important and for both you know our success but also for people enjoying um, the time that they're spending and, and what they get to do. Um, because, you know, if, if we're both, if both parties are kind of like figuring it out, um, you know, I don't think it's going to, it's going to work as well. Uh, if, if you know us and we know you when, when you show up, I think we'll all have a much better time. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and, and, in, and in the meantime, the grapes are still growing. Right. I mean, um, I don't, I, don't, I don't know how many people are trying to get out of contracts for this year. I did go to uh, my local pet store to get pet food the other day. 
and the guy who runs it, his parents have a vineyard in Russian River. So he has a little handwritten sign up above the cash register that says, um, are you looking for any Pinot Noir grapes? Um, so he's, he's looking to sell five to eight tons of Russian River Pinot at uh, $5,000 a ton. So it's, I mean, to see that in a pet store is like, holy shit, someone is actually trying to sell Russian River Pinot um, out of the pet store. So I don't, I, don't, I don't know if that's an indicator of what's going on out there, but um, you know, you guys, you, you know, your dad and the crew are probably still out there, you know, farming. Um, yeah, that never stopped. Yeah. I've never slowed down at all. Um, you know, we definitely are hearing from, from many of our great purchasing clients that, um, you know, they're, they're buying less than they have in years past, you know, some big clients are, you know, taking a year off from making specific wines. Um, you know, anybody who's looking at their inventory and seeing places with their long, um, is, is probably going to adjust back what they make in, in 2020 in those regards. You have to remember the other thing is we're on the tail end of two giant vintages, right. uh, 2018, especially in 2019, you know, to a lesser degree, but still, um, you know, banner years as far as the amount of wine that we were able to make. Um, and that's pretty much everybody. So, you know, people bottled a lot of people, you know, we bottled the most, we're bottling the most wine we ever have in a year for 16600 this year because of how much you know how many grapes we you know we brought in in, in 2018 so um definitely everybody that we know is is that i've talked to is pulling back a little bit in some part of their winemaking you know their production um the flip side is you know just like handwritten signs at at the pet store um there is opportunity to pick up things that you know you wouldn't have been able to get previously um you know and 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 certainly and certainly prices are are showing that also um so the you know that russian river pinot might have been six grand in 2018 right. or, or more and, and yeah and and i've actually talked to some winemakers that are smaller producers who have just flat out asked their grower for a price reduction right. you know and and, and gotten and, and and received that of some amount you know now, nobody said how much it was, and you know who knows what they were paying for. But. Yeah, I mean, if the price is, if you if you have too much wine, doesn't matter what the price is, though, right? I mean, I think that that there's people are just looking at at their inventory in their warehouses and going, well, it, you know, we got a bunch of this, let's not make it. Um, you know, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what the price is. Because even when, if you know, you get a lower price, you still have to pay. It costs the same amount to make it, um, right. and and bottle it. So and you still got to sell it, and so and you still got to sell it, yeah. right? And then and then you know there are Brian, there are large tracts of vineyards that you know might have been tapped to be pulled out anyway, but they've been pulled out. You know, the Cundies have pulled out grapes, and there's there's some large sections down in Carneros um, of stuff that's been pulled out and other places around the valley and and but I think a lot of those were just contracted before either replants or um, you know not not necessarily because of COVID but just the oversupply that Sam was talking about for the two years in a row. Yeah Bart I don't know the last time you've been over on this side of the mountain but on Old Adobe Road 
they've got that big vineyard that they they started putting in before all this went down and it's huge yeah. i mean just driving towards petaluma you can see it up on the hill that's a yeah. big vineyard that they just put in there um, and you know they're not going to be getting fruit off it for a few years but you know there's some people that are just still still going full steam i imagine it's one of the you know it's probably gallo or uh, one of those people yeah, I mean, you know, and there's also sort of just natural cycling in in the vineyard world where new vineyards get developed and come online as older vines are pulled out and fields go fallow. You know, um, my buddy lives in the middle of the Durrell Vineyard, basically, and they've pulled out a bunch of vineyard, you know, vineyard blocks in the last couple of years um, that they haven't replanted. And in fact, they're they're doing some like interesting sheep program or something and one of them they're out there putting up fence right now so you know people are are certainly you know and not to say that you know the the um bill price the price family vineyard doesn't have other properties and probably are putting in new vineyards other places so you know it's it's all about um looking at, at the vineyards that you have you know the quality of the wine and the grapes that are coming off of them vine age you know this is provides an opportunity for a lot of people to go out to something that you know maybe their vines have some virus or you know it's not the perfect combination of rootstock and clone for the site um and you know the returns on there are such that it makes more sense to pull it out and leave it be for a couple years it doesn't mean that at some other property they're not adding um you know acreage and and planting new or you know having new things come online so you know there's definitely just like you were saying that all of you know all of the children of of this era are, you know in this massive time of social upheaval and things are going to look different i think that we're in a time in the wine industry where um you know things are going to look different both you know in what's out there who owns what um and what's planted and how much of it's planted that's gonna it's all gonna be very different over the course of the next you know five years for sure yeah well i mean how has the weather been lately for grapes though i mean it seems like we i mean haven't had any you know spikes it seems like in either cold weather or too much rain or too much heat just yeah it's it's one it's you know um moving along pretty good you know we had some some may rain which um pushed a lot of growth it was kind of right before bloom um you know we've gone through bloom and and set now with with very little um althea is bringing me oh, every mask that we have in the house right now uh, <laughs> you've seen these right brian um oh nice <laughs> Um, but, uh, that's, uh, for, for those folks listening at home, I was holding up one of our brand new 16600 white park workwear, uh, uh, hemp masks. Um, but I don't even remember <laughs> what I was saying. Oh, weather. Um, yeah, we're, we're into set, you know, set looks good. It looks like, frankly, we're looking at, you know, as of right now, another pretty heavy crop out there. Um, I think that late May rain really kind of you know, pushing growth and giving the the vines a little jolt, um, set a pretty big crop. Um, so, and you know, it's been, like you said, it's been fairly uh, uneventful spring growing season. You know, there wasn't any real big frost issue nights, maybe one or two nights where we were worried about it. Um, and you know, now it's, uh, 
it's it's spray season everybody you know you bart i'm sure you're feeling it when you ride your bike through the vineyards and stuff right now everybody's um the smell of sulfur is is pervasive <laughs> in the yeah in the I, there was a a couple of days i got out in the afternoon and realized that i can't ride in the afternoon this time of year because it's just yeah. it, it it's too much you got to get out very early in the morning <laughs> yeah. um but yeah so, but yeah i mean it's um things certainly look beautiful out there really does. um you know and and the weather has been great i mean today's kind of a weird day with this this overcast and wind um but that's one thing it is it has been you know abnormally windy the past um month call it yeah um which is you know maybe that's just all part of our climate change yeah 100 um, percent. yeah gonna be an interesting so. vintage just you know people are gonna want to have you know 2020 wines because of you know you know 10 years from now five years from now if you're drinking in 2020 what are you going to be thinking about you're going to be thinking about what was going on right now absolutely um i don't know if you saw the post from our friends the sommelier sisters they were drinking a um, wine made by your uncle they had a 2017 grenache movedra that obviously had can you hear me face palming on on and It obviously had a little bit of smoke taint, um, which, which they remarked on it and they didn't necessarily take it on as a bad thing. They were, you know, I'm looking at their little review right now said, um, you know, um, the Grenache Mourvedre grapes in this wine were grown during the 2017 fires. And wow, you can tell when we first tried to sip, we looked at each other and said, whoa, aromas of ash and smoke are undeniable. And you also get this really cool, spicy, rocky, almost green peppery flavors. Um, and, and someone said they were talking about the, you know, an interest in natural wines and a lot of people responded, Oh, cool. Now, now I want to try a natural wine. I was thinking, fuck, don't, (laughs) don't associate natural wine, good wine and smoke taint all in the same sentence together. But, um, yeah, this will be one of those vintages that people talk about for sure. Yeah. I should palm. I, I, I could face fall. I could I could talk a lot about that wine that my uncle made, um, but I probably shouldn't. <laughs> um, well, I, I think instead, why don't we do this? Why don't we get a couple bottles of sixteen six hundred wine to those girls? We should. Um, that way, they can try the sixteen six hundred stuff and and then right. do a post on that instead. I think they probably thought that they were supporting you um, by buying the Couture wine, not knowing that it was a, a different member of the family. Right. Which it's all good. But um, but let's send them something. Let's send them something they can just flip out over. A rising a rising tide lifts all Kateri's. It has to be a pretty strong tide, though. Uh, <laughs> it's a heavy lift. Um, yeah. No, you know, and, and actually, my uncle has always had uh, a great presence in Massachusetts. Um, it's really been one of his strong markets, um, especially Violet Imports and and. Um, you know the I can't remember the name of the shop that they got talk, talk we're talking about, but oh um, yeah, we'd like to get cheese. There was one spot. Yeah, but um, so you know, in, in twenty seventeen, you know, people, I think my uncle made that wine some in amphora and and did some stuff to try and get around whatever the smoke taint was. Um, and you know, it it definitely is a conversation starter. Um, yeah. You know, uh, and so that's it's. And that's one of the things that we love about wine is it always, you know, having that date on there, um, whether it's, you know, 82 or 97 or 17 and now 2020, 
um, what, you know, that means something and it means, you know, that year and it starts the conversation, whether it's the greatest year in the history of Bordeaux that launched Robert Parker's career with, you know, the 82s or, you know, um, you know, whatever happened in, in that year, um, you get to go back to that year with that wine. And that's, you know, that's why, that's what makes it cool. That's why people listen to podcasts and listen to us talk about it and yep. have collections and, you know, buy birth year wines for their kids. You know, I have some, my buddy Donald who, who's been on the show. He's going to give him a shout out here. He's um, tasting through right now, test tubes of, uh, Bordeaux and Premier, uh, you know, all these Bordeaux producers sending out these, usually they'd have people come there and taste out of barrels. They're sending out 2019 barrel samples and he's trying to get me to buy, uh, you know, 2019 Bordeaux to lay down because that's the year Althea was born, you know, so that, that date associated with it. Yeah. That's, you know, that's the story And 2020 will be a, a vintage that people are going to have in their cellars and they're going to talk about, you know, the, the the joke is, you know, everybody gets back together and asking, how is your Rona? How is your quarantine? People are going to go back and think about, you know, yeah. spring of 2020 and, and have a lot to talk about. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, we've seen our first wine. Um, you guys have seen the bottle of wine. That's the toilet paper roll, right? No, Brian, have you seen, seen that. that one? No, no, but so someone's, yeah. someone's already done that. So I'm sure there's more of that coming also in, in future years. Um, Oh, for sure. I can see, I can see the, I mean, right now I can envision a, you know, a, someone wearing a mask and that's your label is the, for the 2020. I'm sure that John Charles Boise already has some like giant gold mask, like, what? you know, decal 3d sticker that goes onto a bottle somewhere that went available at Buena Vista. <laughs> yeah. Who is, who did, I got an email the other day that was about, um, Oh, John Legend uh, did a wine with uh, Raymond Estates, a sparkling yeah. rosé. And I told, I showed it, I sent it to my wife because she's a big John Legend fan. I said, hey, if you want some of this wine, you better jump on it. Because no right, they probably only made 200,000 cases of it. Yeah, that's the thing. <laughs> it won't be around too long. <laughs> so did she, so did you get a case, Brian? I don't know. I kind of, I put the ball in her court. I wasn't going to buy it, but if, if she, I'm not arguing with her right now. She has, she has gone from, uh, you know, periodically drinking to everyday drinking starting at 4:30. So, uh, well, you know, fortunately for the wine business, uh, that's what a lot of people have done, and that's I think that a lot of, uh, you know, myself included, um, that home consumption has has kept us all afloat over these last three months so keep it up america yeah i was yeah, actually you know shout out to uh todd jolly the day that this drops he will have opened uh back to uh table service at sonoma's best so i know todd's been working real hard on on how he was going to do that and and his wife has kept him under extreme quarantine through this whole thing so um It'll be interesting to see how, how they're going to go out. I'd love them. to, uh, you know, I should probably pick his brain, see how he's doing it. Yeah. They're, you know, it's, everything's outside They're They are having food associated with it, but, but that was also announced before, you know, well, although he is a tasting, I think he has a tasting room permit, right? Um, so I'm know, sure he probably that has something to do get with. into the, he's probably a 42 or something, 47, something yeah. like that. Yeah. 
Yeah. So yeah, being that they had food service already on property, which probably made things right. a little bit easier. Makes it easier. Um, Sam, I heard that Garrett was making some tables for six. Yes. So Garrett Beautiful made tables. Uh, these amazing tables. He's making them. He's got them for sale. I think a bunch of other wineries and, and I think Chateau St. Jean bought some, I think maybe Bedrock is buying some. They're uh, milled from Doug fur salvaged from, from Silver Cloud, the, the Stone Edge property at the top of the Mayakamas Mountains. So it's an area that um, burned in the fire. You know, these trees were, were essentially burned trees, but most of the wood still usable. Um, so when, when everything shut down and, and obviously West Wine Tours stopped rolling buses, um, Garrett came to work for, for Enterprise Vineyards and uh, milling these trees and is now building tables out of them. So they're, you know, they're picnic tables like you would imagine, you know, at the state park kind of deal, but made with this beautiful, um, you know, locally milled salvaged uh, dug fur. Um, well, they're much more chunky than, I mean, these are, yeah. these are like picnic tables on steroids. I yeah, mean, they're, exactly. they're, they're beautiful. Um, he's a bit of a Renaissance man, isn't he? He's, you know, he's I mean, got a little bit of it all. Yeah. Yeah. Restaurant tour, you know, tour guide and now a craftsman. Right. And, and he's welding some ramps for us too. So, and he built our stage wow. and a fisherman and a fisherman. Alice has reminded me right. he's a fisherman and, a fisherman. and he's the new uh, defensive coordinator for the Sonoma Valley high school football uh, varsity football team. <laughs> So, yes. <laughs> Shout out to Garrett. We could just have the Garrett podcast where he talks about all the things he does. Yep. And does that mean that they are not um, kind of um, going forward with expanding the business at all? Uh, the VW tour? No, I think that um, there's a bus scheduled to leave for Austin, Texas soon. Um, and it sounds like, you know, Texas is ahead of us, maybe for better or for worse, in, in opening up. Um, and they, one of their drivers had already, you know, when this all went down, had already signed a lease and was already set to move there. So he's been in Austin for the last three months, uh, Jake, um, and they're going to start rolling down there in, in Texas wine country too. So, um, you know, keep, keep tabs of, uh, West wine tours. I'm sure they're, they'll, when that's rolling, they'll announce, um, I, I, I know I got to wrap here pretty soon, but, um, definitely, I think that's the the key to all of this, you know, the places that you want to visit and the people that you want to see probably social media and their email is, is the, the best place to get information on, on how, you know, how we all are moving forward and opening up and kind of thawing slowly around here. Well, yeah, Sam, what have you been drinking besides 16,600 wines lately? Well, uh, you know, in an effort to um, keep Jasmine, busy because when she gets when she's idle things get weird around there um we uh jasmine went through all of the 16600 collection of wines that basically i had bought and thrown into uh, one room or another and put it all into this new wine cabinet we got and uh, put it all into cellar tracker so uh, everything that you know is 16600 my cellar is, is on cellar tracker now um and i have a i'm deep in chablis so I'm I'm trying to drink some Chablis lately. I opened a uh, a Grand Cru uh, Le Clos Chablis for my birthday. Uh, nice. So that's that's where I'm. Maybe I guess maybe Brian. Maybe I need to share the love with Brian a little bit. Brian probably needs some Chablis. I was gonna say I with. could go for some Chablis. I was I I drank all my sixteen six hundred wines, 
And then um, I actually ordered three bottles of wine from uh, Joel Burt at Las Haras because he came out with this rosé that was a uh, Montepulciano Sangiovese. strawberry on it? Yeah, it's, it's so freaking summery delicious. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's a total sit outside on a hot day and crush um, wine. Yeah, and it's got... It's got the cool label on it too. Brian, uh, Brian, you did see bottle. Uh, you did see Bottle Barn is open for in-store shopping now, right? Oh shit, Bart. Okay, so yeah, actually, my daughter is going back starting next week for um, for swim um, on the swim team in Santa Rosa. Really? So that means that means I can get back to Bottle. Yeah, they're doing. You know, of course, it's certain kids, and they're only one kid in each lane. They just had a Zoom meeting about it this morning. And the, the funniest thing, of course, the parents were, some parents were like, but that means that they're going to meet in the middle at some point when they're doing their laps. And then that's a potential for them breathing on each other. And, you know, everyone's in a different place. So, uh, but yeah, I'm excited to get her back in the pool. Poor kid has, you know, just been uh, locked up in the house. So I'm, I'm happy to get back to dropping her off at swim and heading over to, heading over to uh, bottle barn. That'll be great. Yeah, they can pretty much count. I thought that would make you happy. Oh, are you kidding? <laughs> That's going to be good. Yeah, I've, I've already perused through all of uh, Costco and Oliver's um, uh, wine selection. I could go for something a little more esoteric. Yeah, I've been drinking through my uh, – Todd had put together a couple uh, six-packs for me along the way of stuff, and then the Dallas. I, I got to go, guys. Sam, right, good to talk to you. Happy birthday, brother. See you later. Thank you. Um, at a, uh, just that um, I've been drinking through all my past the Della Santina wine club. Um, Rob always has some pretty esoteric wines and I've pretty much gone through all of those, which had been stacking up for a number of months. Um, so, but yeah, you know, not drinking my own, not, what is it? Not getting high on my own supply because I'm getting low on things. Right. Um, so that's, you know, that's been fun. Yeah. Um, uh, you know, I do want to, I, I, before Sam left, we should have done this, but I, we really want to thank all you listeners who participated in the um, virtual tastings. Uh, it was a huge success, and uh, we're going to take a break from it, obviously, now for a while, but I think once um, Sam's new wines have been in bottle for a while and I get some wine in bottle, we'll, we'll definitely look to do a, another one of those going forward and stuff. Um, do a reunion. Because really fun. Yeah. yeah. Um, but, but all you listeners, thank you very much. You guys were huge supporters. And those of you who um, did all three of them, you know, like I say, gluttons for punishment for, um, <laughs> it's a lot. It's a lot. Well, so. Bart, you know what, what the greatest thing was is that a lot of the people that were doing the virtual wine tastings did it in sort of a webinar format where you could sign on and you could listen to the person talking about the wines, but there was no real interaction. And what was so great about the virtual tastings that you guys did is that everyone was allowed to interact and everyone uh, for the most part was very um, was was very good about the way they did that it wasn't just a yeah. bunch of people talking over each other it was people that right. you know really enjoyed hanging out together virtually and um, you know wanted to ask questions or wanted to make comments and everyone did it in a really respectful way and and everyone had a really good time and, and most people were opening up four bottles at a time so it was neat to see the progression at first you'd see one person in the in the first virtual tasting you know kind of muscling through four bottles and then by the third i noticed that a, a lot more people were involved in the tasting so even though you had a little bit fewer um 
people signing on, you probably had the same, if not more people actually drinking the wine because they realized, holy shit, we're going to open up four bottles of wine. We probably better call in some, um, some recruits right. <laughs> to help right. us get through it. Yeah. Yeah. But, um, but yeah, those were fun and, and yeah, hopefully you guys can get back to doing that. And, and that was, that was good. The last time they got to try some unique stuff too from you, which was, um, which was cool. Yeah, they were well, fun. They were, and the wines, wines were tasting really good. I was very proud of yeah. how the, uh, the, the 12 Shannon showed. And I think the 17 Zin by the time it's released is really going to be really going to be singing. Yeah, for sure. All right, well, cool. Let's get shout outs to people that, um, you know, First from me, let me get a shout out to Joel Bird at Las Haras. If anyone wants to get some of those wines, if you want to try some interesting wines that, and like I said, I like looking for um, for weird, cool, unique, esoteric wines, and he definitely has a lineup that is like that. Um, also, if you haven't, um, um, oh, I was going to say, oh, I can't think, oh, Arby Garby. I want to get a shout out to Arby Garby. It's A-R-B-E. And then second word, G-A-R-B-E. And it's a, it's an Italian couple that makes wine over there in Napa. And they, they source from some different places. But I met them, you know, 11 or 12 years ago. And they, they do um, a white with a Ribola Gialla and Tokai Friulano. So, again, if you want to try something unique and interesting, um, I just saw someone post um, one of their wines um, the other day on Instagram. And I, and I have it at the Fairmont. So that's another person I would recommend reaching out to if you want to try something cool and you know always to Todd Jolly um, at Sonoma's Best if you live here locally and then um, and if you don't live here locally reach out to them also the girls at Miracle Plum um, Sally and Gwen they've been doing a great job through this whole thing um, doing pickup service for their store in Santa Rosa and getting all of their wines online so that people were able to buy their wines online it's amazing. The more people that I talk to that are in the food and wine business that know them, that just um, absolutely love them. Um, shout out to the Psalm sisters um, for picking up some Katuri wine. And then um, uh, Mark Maliki, the chef out at, um, at uh, the, the casino, the casino. Bar, um, out there in Bodega. I noticed that this weekend, thanks Bart for sending that over to me. He's going to be rocking out some oysters. And I guess uh, Jen Reichart from uh, Raft Wines and someone that she partnered with did a uh, pick pool. And they thought that would be fun to be drinking some pick pool with some oysters. So um, I'm going to try and get out there. I don't think it'll happen on I Friday, think, possibly on I, Saturday. I, I think that was actually her husband. I think that's a, a wine that they did together because he works in the wine business also, I believe. Oh, cool. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And then, you, yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. No, no, go ahead. I was going to say, anytime you talk about Pickpool, I, I recommend also reaching out to the, to the folks at Mounts who, you know, we had, um, um, we had Dave on um, a couple of weeks ago and, and they do a great job with Roan varietals up there in the Dry Creek uh, region. And um, I always recommend picking up some of their wines too. Yeah. You know, and I want to give a shout out to, um, to Jess Wade. Uh, Jess is a local winemaker, vineyard manager, ex-girl uh, in the fig employee, and he's got his new wines. He's just released them. Um, Topophilia. Having him on, yeah, Topophilia. He's got a beautiful rosé that he's pouring right now. So, uh, folks, check out that earlier podcast with Jess Wade from Topophilia. Um, and, yeah, you know, I've also been drinking through. I traded six bottles with um, uh, uh, Scott Fitzpatrick from Mountain Tides. 
and I've been drinking through some of those wines of his, and they're really, really delicious wines. I mean, really like cleanly made. And, you know, to do one, to pick one variety and make different styled wines from that one variety, it, it's a, it's a, I'm not going to call it a stretch, but it's a lot of work. And he's done a good job. It's not like they just all taste the same. Right. And they're all, they're all very uniquely um, interesting. And if you're going to talk about him, you know, it was, it was weird to see that him and Craig Harmeyer somehow hooked up and did a um, did a little virtual thing. I think it was through Instagram or something. If you like Chenin Blanc um, or if you like Zinfandel, um, recommend reaching out to Harmeyer Wine Cellars. It's H-A-A-R-M-E-Y-E-R and pick up some of those wines. The Chenin Blanc is absolutely amazing. And, and that's one of the ones that I'm going to pick up at Bottle Barn because he does uh, one of his wines there that I can get for... I don't know. It's around 15 bucks or something. It's a steel of the century. Um, so yeah. another recommendation and, uh, yeah, and hopefully we'll be seeing y'all soon. People come out, uh, to visit us. Hopefully we'll all be open and we can have you in our hotels and, and host you in the tasting room. Yeah. Terry and I are actually going to go out to dinner tomorrow night. First time. Where are you guys uh, going? We're going to go to Glen Ellen star. Um, uh, they, uh, before they opened up, you know, the inside stuff, they kind of took part of their parking lot and, and put some outside dining on the street. So we signed up to kind of support that. Of course, they're, you know, small enough and busy enough that it's taken us a couple weeks to get to it just because they've been so packed, um, which is good because, you know, they, they've been, they've been trying to keep everybody employed and working there and right. uh, like so many of these restaurants, right. Right. Um, doing, doing what they can do. Um, and then I think as a little crossover, Brian, I think this afternoon um, from your podcast with the woman from, what's it, the Icy Slush? What's it, what was it called? Wicked oh, Slush? Yeah, Wicked Slush. I think the girl in the fig is offering Wicked Slush, which is normally based out of, is it Guerneville or Healdsburg? She's normally Healdsburg. right She's right there on the water um, right. on the Russian River. Well, um, yeah, I mean, they do it. If, if you've never had slush, it's not a Slurpee, it's not an Icy, it's not a snow cone. It's a different thing. Um, so I think Sandra, you know, had grown up drinking slush in Philly. Um, so it's one of the, it's, um, you know, on those hot summer days, if you're around the plaza and want to get a wicked slush, you don't have to drive all the way. Well, and they've river. paired some of those slushes. With alcohol. Right. I heard well, they're the doing important cocktails. important thing there is that they've, with alcohol, yes. Yeah. Yes, cocktails. Um, yeah. So I might go into town and pick one of those up and bring it home this afternoon. Yeah, um, I did pick up a bottle of Mezcal today and some uh, freshly squeezed grapefruit juice, some fever tree soda, and some limes. And I think tonight I'm going to have a little um, Mezcal party myself. <laughs> you know, and that's um, that, that's another podcast for us have um, to have a stall from uh, the local uh, uh, Mezcal producer here in Sonoma. Well, he actually produces it in Mexico, but he sells it out of here. And um, he's offered to do a, a mezcal tasting for us. Oh, I'm down with that. And I know Sandra Bernstein from The Girl in the Fig would be totally down. I think out of all the liquor that she has at her house, mezcal is, is the number one. Um, she's, a big, she's a big lover. I know she'd like to try some of that too. So, yeah, that'd be a good show. That, that'd be a dangerous show. Oh, and Brian, just another – right, exactly – and another thing, um, it, just an update for you and for all the listeners, uh, the um, uh, Roussan, which just has just a little tiny bit of sugar still to fer ferment, 
I was down there on Monday and it's like fully actively fermenting. Like I, I put my ear to it and it sounds, it sounds like a, a soda pop um, fizzing. So um, that's really good. Um, so that is moving along, progressing along really nicely. Yeah. And there, I'm so, sure there's going to so be you people see our out patience, there. Our I, patience is paying for us. I know there's people out there that are gonna, like your wine is still fermenting, but the whole journey with this wine was to let this wine do what it wanted to do. And we were going to have be minimal interventionalist with this wine. Cause I knew that all, all we had to do was get good fruit and then kind of let the wine do its own thing and don't fuck around with it. I'm not, I'm it's the first time making wine. I'm not trying to, to make um, some user friendly style of wine that I can sell on the, you know, on the mass market or whatever. It's, it's truly just honoring the fruit and how it came out and letting it do its own thing. And, and if you've ever had, you know, a, a, a Consgard Chardonnay from the yeah. Judge Vineyard, um, something like that, that, you know, it's a white wine that has, you know, gone fermented throughout an entire year sometimes, and sometimes smells like, you know, the shit that you would not even um, <laughs> want to get near um, eating or drinking. Um, wine just has its journey, and this wine has taken its journey, and I'm glad well, to hear that it's still moving and yeah, no, and, and you know, all it really did is just kind of rested over the fall when, when the cellar got cold. And now right. that the cellar has started to warm up, it's taken off. And, and this right. is not, I mean, we talk about it, but what people don't understand is this happens all the time. Right. And, um, and, and I've heard a lot of very famous winemakers talk about, you know, different lots and stuff that this happens with, um, but they don't talk about it on a public forum like we have with yours. And, and, right. and I think, and to be honest, I mean, that, that's what we talk about here. I mean, this is, we're not trying to hide anything. These are, this is what yeah. winemaking is about. This, it's yeah. not that simple. It's really not. Yeah. At least not to make really good well, wine. It, it is and it isn't, very, right? Yeah. Um, and yeah, you know the process is simple, but, the, but, but getting it finished isn't necessarily simple. Yeah. And, and what was funny is drinking that Las Haras, the, um, the rosé that I was drinking last week, it had some flavor profiles of the Roussan. Right. Think about that. And that's a Sangiovese Montepulciano 2019 Rosado. But there was something in it that had a, that was really reminiscent of the Roussan that is still continuing to ferment a little bit. Yeah. My guess is because that wine might have still been fermenting a little bit. It's possible. <laughs> I, you know, yeah, it's possible. And probably had, a, yeah, you're right, had a little bit of um, residual sugar still there. But always fun to drink. Yep. All right. Absolutely. All, All right, right everybody. Yeah. Thanks for listening. We will look forward to getting back with you next week. We talked about getting back um, away from the zoom and, and actually getting in the same room together. All of us obviously have different comfort levels with that. You know, there's some people that don't want to do it at all. Some people that are gung ho um, next week and, and we'll see. Yeah. We're, we all listen to each other and respect each other's um, opinions and, and um, we'll, we'll see if we can all get in the same room and drink some wine together and get back to doing the show that we like to do. So um, in the meantime, stay safe out there. Respect each other with everything that's going on in the world right now. And uh, support, support your wineries and support your restaurant workers. There you go. All right. We'll look forward to talking to you next week. Thanks for listening, guys.